Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, March 20th. We here at Cracked Rackets have made it our goal to provide you listeners, you fans, with as much content as possible while we're all suffering through this devastating time, coronavirus impacting all of our lives, changing the way we go about our day-to-day business. And while there's nothing we at Cracked Rackets can do to speed up a return to normalcy, we think we can, you know, if we can provide you all any sort of distraction, just any sort of momentary respite from the day-to-day grief, the day-to-day you know, nerves, concerns that we are all facing, then we'll have been doing our job. And that is why we are so excited to bring on today's guest, one of the most fun-loving, energetic uh, guys in our tennis business, Steve Weissman, host of Tennis Channel Live. You may also know his work from the NFL Network. He used to work at ESPN as well. Uh, we bring him on the podcast now. Of course, we do discuss coronavirus, its impact on the tennis community, things such as how players are going to respond to this, how tournaments are responding to this, what it's like for him as a member of the tennis media and the discussions he is having around that. But more importantly, we mix in so many laughs in this episode. It was such a fun time. Steve, having worked in Saginaw, Michigan for a little bit of time, having worked uh, just throughout the globe, he's such a fun-loving guy. Again, so many fun experiences. We got to explore all of that and more. And I can't emphasize this enough. This is the podcast for you. This is what you are going to want and need on a Friday. He also offers us a chance to hear what they're going on at Tennis Channel. What's going on at Tennis Channel? I know they are extending Tennis Channel Live to three hours a day starting next Monday. That's something tennis fans across the globe can be excited about. And Steve gets into at the end of the podcast what sort of content you guys can expect from those three-hour shows. But it was really just, I have a big smile on my face. I'm recording this intro after the fact. And it was a really fun conversation. So I promise you listeners are going to enjoy this one. I think I just used the word fun like seven times in two minutes. And that emphasizes my point of it was just so enjoyable to get the chance to chat with Steve. But before we get to that conversation, I have to remind you listeners all that today's podcast and all of our mini break podcasts brought to you by our friends at Diadem Sports. And in a time like these, when we don't don't know exactly when our next event is going to be, when we're going to have the chance to do play-by-play. Uh, the fact that our friends at Diadem continue to support us means so much. So the least we can do is ask that you all go support them. And it's easy to ask you to do that because their products on the forefront of innovation going on right now in the tennis world. They've helped tennis players across the globe elevate their game by designing some of the best perform- uh, tennis performance gear on the planet, whether it's their Nova 100 and Elevate 98 rackets, which were developed with your performance in mind, developed to accommodate various playing styles. Uh, They've got it all. They've also got fantastic string technology, five sets of strings, different uh, different options depending on your style of play, whether it's the Elite XT, the Solstice, as you guys know. I'm a man of impulse, so those impulse strings just scream out to me. They've got it all. They've also got their premier tennis balls. They've got fantastic sweatshirts, shirts, swag up of galore. So, uh, you know, this is the the shop for you. It's your one-stop shop for all things tennis gear related. And again, go to their website right now, diademsports.com. Use our promo code CR50. You get 50% off your order. And if you want to play tennis, look, we're all financially hurting right now. That goes without question. So the fact that you can get 50% off some really good gear, the fact that you know you'll be set if you get a couple reels of strings, Uh, maybe a couple of cans of tennis balls as well, and it's not going to hurt your pocket too badly. You'll be set until life goes back to normal. So again, be sure to go check out their website, diademsports.com. Use that promo code CR50. But for now, enjoy my conversation with Tennis Channel's Steve Weissman. 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Joining us now on the Mini Break Podcast, you may recognize his voice from the time he spent at ESPN on the NFL Network and, of course, the host of Tennis Channel Live. Steve Weissman, welcome to the Mini Break Podcast. It is a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much, Alex. Big big fan of the pod and uh, glad to finally be able to make my debut here. <laughs> no, please. It, it was. Uh, I think you just must not have gotten my text because uh, <laughs> you know, the invite was always open. I ju- you slid in my DMs and I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, uh, shame is something in this business that has to go out the window, right? Absolutely, absolutely. No, like I said, uh, you do a great job. Um, everybody at Crack Rackets is awesome. And so uh, it's a good way you know, to spend the, the, the self-isolation, the quarantine time. Oh, yeah. I'm blushing. I mean, I don't even know where to go from here. The flattery <laughs> threw me off. You, usually I'm supposed to flatter the guests, but when it's a fellow host, you, you're well-versed in the routine. I mean, you, you called Lucero the most handsome man in, in TV, so I was, I was a little <laughs> offended by that. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Look, I had. To, I know he needs the flattering. He needs to be buttered up. Us professionals, we don't need right. That as no, much. totally. But feel <laughs> feel free to change your mind at any point, and you know you you can uh, you can change history. <laughs> no, I'm I'm happy to change my mind right away because the first question I want to ask you: You went live after the French Open announced they were changing their dates uh, on the schedule, and I'm not the only person to say this, and I mean mean this as a compliment. Why do you look 25 years younger? Why do you look like a fresh 24 year old when you're using the iPhone as opposed to on camera? I, I think honestly, I mean, I get this a lot, but um, and I've gotten it for years. But what first out, shout out to, to mom and dad for the great genes. Uh, um, Marshall and Alice, you know, great, great job. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think when I put on a suit, it, it's just a different, a different look. Um, you, you saw me basically how I how I roll on a on a day to day basis. I, I wear hats all the time, and t-shirts. And I mean, that's just kind of I, I live in my joggers. Um, so <laughs> that's <laughs> no. I completely understand. Maybe it's just anyone, uh, when you're not next to the beautiful faces of Chanda Rubin and, you know, Brett Habers of the world, you just look that much younger. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was surprised by that. I mean, either that, that was the resounding you know, thing that we got out of my, my bit was, wow, Steve looks really young. Um, but, uh, I mean, so this week I haven't been on, you know, on air, so I've got a nice little, little beard going now, which I would prefer to have at all times, but, you know, a TV... He got a shave. Um, so, no, I don't know. Of course. I, and <laughs> No, I was going to say, of course, we both grew up, grew up with Jewish parents. My dad's like, Alex, are you seriously not going to shave right now? Say, like, Dad, yes. I, that, that's, that's, I don't get it. Like, you know, it's like your face looks dirty. And it's like, no, it looks cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, I've been saying that for years. But he's like, Alex, if you aren't cleanly shaven, I will call you immediately. I'm like, okay, okay. I just don't even want to deal with that call. So I will shave if I'm ever on camera. But no, seriously, you know, it is such a pleasure to have you. Obviously, few people are as tuned in as you are to the tennis world. And it's rare that we get the opportunity to talk to someone with your background. So I do want to explore that a little bit later. But I think we have to start with the tennis and, you know, the emerging coronavirus, all of its impact implications they're far greater than beyond the tennis world first and foremost we're concerned with everyone's safety everyone's health moving forward getting through this as you know safely as we all can but certainly the tennis world has felt the effects and I'm sure you were at Indian Wells or getting ready to head there to cover the event when it was canceled can you talk a little bit about what those moments were like for you and just you know your initial reaction as everything came down in the pipeline yeah I mean I I I was not there yet but but um, I was supposed to go on Tuesday, um, and then we were to begin our coverage on Wednesday, and I was going to be calling matches for the whole, the whole, uh, the whole tournament. So, um, you know, I think everything happened really fast. Obviously, the the Oracle Challenger was still going on, and um, you know, the news 
if you, if you've been following this from you know the beginning of this year when it started in China and then obviously the developments in Europe and specifically Italy um I think you knew this was inevitable, but it, it hadn't really um, hit our country in terms of, of making changes and, and the sports world specifically. And, and you know, normally the sports is, is where everybody kind of gathers and, and comes to in times of crisis. And in this situation, um, having people come together for sports is a crisis. So um, I think the decision they made was the right one. Um, and a lot of people at the time were like, well, why don't we just go no fans and all of that? And there's only one case there. But as we've learned, you know, the coronavirus is something different than any other uh, virus we have ever experienced. We we don't know much about it. Um, and what we do know is, is that it can be transferred very easily. And then you can have it and not know that you have it. And I think that's the scariest thing, um, not to go too deep into the actual virus, but um, you know, I, I got an email from from our bosses at Tennis Channel that that something was was going to be happening, and then obviously heard the news that that they had canceled the whole event, um, which was shocking at first uh, because this was the first major sporting event uh, to close its doors because of the coronavirus, and you know it kind of set off what happened in every other sport, as we saw with the NBA, NHL, MLB, and. Um, MLS and, and, you know, virtually every sport finally ending with, with UFC uh, canceling events recently, that this is the right move. And the only thing you can do in this situation, um, because we have something that is silent and invisible. And so, you know, when I've heard interviews with Donovan Mitchell and others that feel perfectly fine and have never had a single symptom, and yet they have tested positive for the coronavirus, it's scary, and you have to assume that you and I have it and that everybody we come into contact has it, whether we do or don't, because um, a lot of people don't have symptoms, and, and it's really about protecting each other and, and protecting humanity. Um, so, you know, this, this is a, a crazy serious thing, and um, I think the sports world has, has done the right things, and tennis specifically, um, because it's such a global international sport, uh, with all the travel, I mean, uh, it, it, I think it affects tennis in ways that it doesn't affect other sports. But, um, you know, the BNP Paribas Open was canceled, and then we kind of went from there, and it was on a day-by-day uh, -day basis. You know, I went to Tennis Channel that Wednesday. We did Tennis Channel Live, myself, Lindsay Davenport, Paul Anacone, um, Tracy Austin, and, and John Wertheim throughout the week. And, you know, I... I, I truly am grateful for for, for them, for, for Tennis Channel and, and all my bosses from, you know, Ken Solomon to Bob Wiley to Ross Schneiderman to all the producers, camera operators, um, audio folks, and, and everybody that, that you know, um, is, is a big family. And I, I've always felt, I'm sure you feel the same way, Alex, Alex that, that tennis is a family um, in, in a general concept. And it's been that way since I was eight years old. And it's brought me you know, so much joy and, and, and so many great things in life. And, um, you know, to be with Paul and Lindsay and Tracy that week and, and hear about these things in real time and be able to, you know, discuss them live on, on Tennis Channel was, you know, one of those moments that, you know, you'll never forget. And um, we'll be we'll be doing that, you know, starting next week as well. Yeah, and I'm glad, you know, a couple of things you mentioned there. One, uh, in terms of tennis being a big family, couldn't echo that sentiment more. We, tennis players have their own language. If you grew up playing the sport, you're, you're on the court so often by yourself that, you know, you think about the individualism. So often it's referred to as a gladiator sport because it is just you out there facing the elements, facing your opponents, all of these different things. But that being said, that's why tennis players feel most comfortable around one another because to the casual bystander, standard you see a player blow up or you know a guy I'll use Andy Murray's yelling at his box and if you've never watched tennis you're like what is this guy doing <laughs> but if you've watched tennis you're like yeah when the days the backhand's not firing there's nothing more frustrating in the world so I, I completely agree with you there but you brought up the global nature of the sport and you know many professional leagues have international players now that's just the nature of the world we live in but you know look at a guy I'll just throw a name out there like uh, Luka Doncic right who is not from the United States 
States, but he spends his entire season in Dallas playing for the Dallas Mavericks. So he's centrally based in one area with one team in one country. But tennis is not like that. Events are around the globe at all times. Players from all different corners flying in for specific events. I know this is more of a big picture thing, but it does feel like tennis maybe even more so than any other at least domestic sporting league here in the country, uh, would be more adversely affected by something like a global pandemic, something like the coronavirus, because let's say, you know, in France in June or July, uh, they just, it things aren't at a place where they can still have outdoor events, where they can start hosting sporting events. That would adversely affect tennis from top to bottom. Do you think, given the global nature of the sport, that it, it is, you know, m- more likely to be affected by something like this? Absolutely. Um, and, and I think it goes down so many levels. First, you know, you've got players from virtually every country in the world um, and they live in different parts of the world and they're traveling. And I think um, one of the scariest parts of this uh, pandemic that we're under is that traveling is not a good thing. I, I don't want to get on an airplane. I, I know a lot of people don't. And, um, you know, when you get off that airplane, especially when you're going from country to country, you don't know who else is on that plane. You don't know what they have. Then it's the 14-day quarantine. So say you're going to a tournament, and that country says, once you enter our nation, you must quarantine yourself. Well, how are you going to get there? you you got to go three weeks in advance then uh, if, if you're going to play in that event because for two <laughs> weeks you, you can't see or, or you know be in contact with anybody. So uh, it, it raises a lot of issues. Um obviously, as this pandemic goes from country to country to country. Um, and I think, you know, as we've seen now with, with both tours canceling through June 7th, I think uh, that was a smart move. I, I think we're going to see more cancellations. Um, does it have to happen so far in advance? Not necessarily, but I think, um, you know, getting two months in advance is, is smart because we see where this thing is going. We, we know what's going on in Italy. We know that we are about, what, you know, 11 days behind what's happening in Italy. That is, if we follow the same protocol that that they've been under. Uh, I I believe Great Britain is a little behind us um, and so on and so forth. I mean, this this truly um, is a microcosm for how we are so interconnected as humans uh, just across the globe, you know. We, we, you know, we get lost in our own personal space and our our own worlds. And something like this makes us realize that, you know, the two of us who are now talking, you know, for the first time, and and basically this is because of this. I mean, I I may have come on the podcast for a different reason, but for better or worse, like this is why I'm on here today. Um, And and all of this is, is interconnected wherever it started from and wherever it's going. And we need to take care of one another and really be kind to one another. Um, you know, because as we've seen even over the last few days, the French Open coming out and, and making its move to September 20th, October 4th. And then, you know, the other entities within the tennis world not being happy about that because they weren't consulted. And, you know, overall, we just want to have tennis, right? I mean, like at whenever it is safe to, to happen and it may not happen by Wimbledon. It may not happen by the U.S. Open. It may not happen by this, you know, rescheduled French Open. And it may not happen in 2020. Um, so, so that's the overarching umbrella that I think we need to, to really focus on is, is to be kind to one another. And, and one way of doing that, you know, is staying inside um, and, and not being reckless with, with our individual actions. Yeah, and look, now that the floodgates are open in the DMs, expect a few more of them. Steve. Uh, I'm just going to be sending you messages at all. I'm going to be a great segment. Oh, I love that one. Um, but no, I, I'm sure you, uh, you know, I'm sure you get those. You've sorts got my of number now. So you, all... can, you can just text me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That it's also said by my mother earlier today. She says, "Hey, don't you have my mother? Why aren't you text or my number? Why aren't you texting me?" <laughs> give um, your mom but, a call. Like, yeah, I, I gave. I did the. I was lucky enough to be able to give the graduation speech at my high school a few years ago, and what like, I had three overarching, you know, themes to that speech. Um, they were be yourself, be kind, and call your mom. And so like that, it is honestly like it is a big deal. And if you if you're lucky enough to still have a mom, like call her and do it often. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Do you get this speech of, Steve, you look so skinny. Why aren't you eating? Are you eating? What are you eating? I don't get that. I mean, she does try to feed me every time I'm, you know, whether I'm home in Maryland or, or she's out here in L.A. Um, and I, I've become, ever since moving, I've become so L.A., Alex. Like, I, you know, it's all about acai <laughs> bowls and yoga. And, you know, like I, I, eat, I eat super healthy and, and I'm all about, you know, doing two-a-day workouts and all that stuff. And so I don't, I used to eat really poorly. Um, and, and so when my mom comes, she came, uh, my mom and dad were here like three weeks ago and she brought these cookies and I was like, why are you bringing this into my house? <laughs> because I, I, you know, like I don't want to be tempted by these glorious cookies that I no longer really have in my life. <laughs> and I'm not saying no, we shouldn't indulge once in a while and for sure, like, I love a good chocolate souffle or whatever, but um, I don't like to have them in my house. I like to go out to get that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. Yeah, no. Look, you, you say, hey, if you want to throw a little caramel drizzle on top of that acai bowl, that's fine. Yeah, that's I, I do. Splurge, I'm, I'm right? a honey. Like, I'm a big honey guy. So, uh, like, always is. honey in the house. Put that honey drizzle on something because it's it's natural, right? The bees. It's from the bees. We love the bees. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, no, that explains why page six called you handsome. Um, it all is <laughs> Well, they, they did, and, and I mean, they've got a leg up on you right now, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, look, I read the LaFaire magazine piece in preparation. I know. Oh, wow. Uh, wow I'm, that's, all right. I, I appreciate I'm ready for that. This. Yeah, no, we do our research. Come on. Uh, <laughs> we're professionals here. Um, but no, uh, to get back to the tennis, uh, if we can at this point, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of happy going <laughs> off script. Uh, it's a nice refreshing break, certainly. But, uh, you know, you talk about the global nature and the response. And, it, you know, for the French Open in particular, they made their first move. They said, hey, you know, and I'm sorry for swearing, but it's like, you, everyone else, we're making our move. And, uh, you know, with all due respect, like, deal with it. I, I've been asking this to whomever we interview throughout the week because it does feel like, and again, there are bigger concerns right now. Certainly, we are all aware of that. But calls for unionization amongst players because what's been exposed more than anything is how each tennis player is an individual contractor. Regardless of your ranking, you choose your own schedule. Your results dictate where you're going. There's really, it's not, you know, as much as we say tennis is a family, it's not a cohort at the professional level. Everyone's kind of fighting for themselves. Do you think the way, uh, the responses we've seen, the the fallout from uh, the emerging coronavirus will lead to further calls for unionizations amongst the ATP and WTA players and you know what have you thought about the responses from the each tour's respective player councils as well well so tennis I I, I, I will stick with the fact that tennis is a family tennis is a dysfunctional family and many families are <laughs> so you know sometimes you are, you are harshest and speak uh, less kindly to those you love which by the way that's just you know uh, psychological it's wrong all that stuff but but it's true right um mm-hmm. So, yes, I mean, I think good things can come out of this. I, you know, we've been talking about uh, a players union for a long time. Uh, the issue being that, you know, there are so many different entities involved in tennis. So the Grand Slams are, are kind of their own deal. The ATP is its own deal. The WTA is its own deal. You've got the ITF, which sort of oversees things here and there, plus events at, at a lower level. Um, you've got the players, but... So if you're unionizing, is that just the guys? Is it both the guys and the women? Um, is it all players? Is it only, you know, if it's, it's just an ATP union? Um, there's just a lot of questions to answer. And I think when, what, where it is right now, obviously the majors are the most important things for both the men and the women. And what's great about the majors is they have equal pay. Um, and they've been at the forefront of, of that gender equality. And so, you know, there's there's so many vested interests in different things. And, you know, we talked talk about, you know, the Labor Cup being at, at the same time as as what Roland Garros has rescheduled its event to be. So why is the USDA and Tennis Australia upset with the French Tennis Federation? Well, they have a financial stake in the Labor Cup. So, you know, it's uh, it, it's very interconnected. I think one thing we all have to take a step back from is that monetary financial grab at this point because it's it's bigger than all that it's, it's about health and safety um 
you know, personally, when when Roland Garros made that move, that was, you know, the first kind of smile and, and, and hope and joy that, that I had had in a couple of days. Because I was like, wow, you know, it's not canceled. And, and maybe it could happen then. I don't know. Uh, it, it's very possible that, that no tennis is played this year. But maybe by September 20th, it could happen. And they put themselves on the calendar to have this. I love going to Paris. I mean, that, that's my that's my favorite event. Um, and so, you know, knowing that there's a possibility of going there like that, that just that it, it really did give me joy. And in this era, not era, but time of uncertainty to have something potentially certain later, should they have consulted with everyone else? Yeah, probably. That would have been the nicer thing to do. Would they have been told, no, you can't do that? Yeah, probably. So, <laughs> you know, there, there are certain times in life where, where you do something and ask for forgiveness later. Um, and that's what they've done. And, and everybody is now ganged up on them. And, and that's their prerogative. And that's totally fine. Um, and now people will have to make a decision. You know, do you want to play an event that's scheduled? I, I totally empathize with those tournaments that are going on at that time. If they're even going to go on at that time. You know what I'm saying? Um, because because those are jobs and at a at a macro level and a micro level. Um, but if I'm a tennis player, I think I'm excited about the possibility of playing, you know, a major. And if I'm a tennis fan, man, if I could see three majors back to back to back. And I, and I know as a player, that's totally different. And that's really hard on your body and, and a lot of a lot of stuff to kind of delve into. But as a fan, that would be sick. To see, yeah. to see Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, and French Open, like all like that, and then and then maybe even just throwing this out there because Indian Wells, um, you know, is kind of an independent venture with, with you know Larry Ellison can kind of do what he wants to do. Put that in December, right? And, and then have that event there and have this just incredible fall winter ish tennis season. Um, I think that'd be cool, but. You know, I, I know that people have money at stake and, and people have livelihoods at stake. And, uh, and and you see a lot a lot of different things, uh, you know, on social media and players reacting. Well, I didn't hear this until Twitter. And, and, and I feel like that's where things are going right now, that that because the news cycle uh, is is so ever evolving on a minute to minute basis, there is no longer, you know, a. a a group email or something going out it's just being put out and and then you find out about it and you know the majors are going to last forever right with different players no matter what like the french open is, is going to mm -hmm. be in hopefully if we have a, a planet in you know in 3020 right and and that's, mm -hmm. that's going to be totally different players so um so these these events like that have that kind of power Counterpoint to that is Roger Federer will still be playing the French Open in thirty twenty. Come he on, totally I mean, or maybe not. <laughs> he's alive. He's alive. If we've, yeah, if we've may, come up with maybe some sort of hyperbaric live forever chamber, like sure. And uh, by the way, Novak will totally be in that chamber too. So <laughs> he's already there. Yeah. No, it'll be. I don't know if you ever watched Futurama, but yeah, they had the floating heads and like the jars. That'll just be Federer, and he'll find a body to play on in the forehand. We'll still I hope just so. Look so crisp. What we are witnessing right now, Alex, I'm, I'm sure you appreciate as much as anyone uh, is is uh, we talk about unprecedented times we're in. Tennis is in unprecedented times right now with Roger and Rafa and Novak and and Serena and Venus. I mean, that's kind of low-key underplayed. I mean, the fact that 38 and 39 and Serena's still in the top 10 and competing for major championships, um, it's incredible, and, and I love it. I love, I love being, being a part of this sport. Yeah, and hopefully when we have Paris this year, and I'm going to say when because I'm going to stay optimistic, I'll get to see you at the Hotel de Sures. We'll take a trip to La Venue yeah. and we'll go enjoy a nice <laughs> meal of snails. You know my favorite restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> we get the snails. Um, they, they've got this great Thai uh, beef dish, which is amazing, and then their desserts are so good. I literally... I, I would go there every night, and I'm like I'm a huge foodie, so I like to go to you know different spots all over the world or wherever I'm at, and I, I like to cook and all that stuff. And I, I don't know if you saw my Instagram story last night with that with that dinner I made, um, how much research you did or not, but. <laughs> <laughs> 
I did not. I'm not an Instagram. The lit at the Weissman house last night. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is, I the reason I stay off of Instagram is I know the second I got on it, it would just be over for me. I'd be like, well, what about that story I wanted to write? Nope, not gonna happen. That's true. No, smart man, smart man. (laughs) I I do what I can. I'm avoiding TikTok. Uh, I also feel like I'll just start stealing people's content too much, and I'll be like, I just there needs to be a degree of separation. But that's a me problem. Um, (laughs) But yeah, you know, that's just a random thought. Yeah, I I completely agree with your sentiment and maybe one of the wor- you know not one of the worst parts but from a tennis perspective certainly that we're robbed of another Serena Venus Federer years in particular when we don't know uh, when their runs are going to end that's certainly something to think about but that's fascinating and the idea of you know them throwing Indian Wells in December or just rescheduling as many of these spring events as possible later on in the year uh, I mean you guys are going three hours a day on tennis channel starting next week you're going to have to do three hours today in december if you want to cover everything um but yeah but but do you think yeah i mean from what you're hearing do you do you think that's a possibility do you think we could see as many events as you know feasibly financially feasibly possible try to reschedule again this is all under the assumption and it's a bold assumption to say we're going to see any tennis in 2020 but could you see a whirlwind of that happening where they say okay you guys kind of had the off season's a terrible way of framing this but you had this extended stretch off through uh you know february end of february through whenever this goes until and they try and squeeze more events at the back end of the calendar year i think anything is possible um i think some of these things are logistics right so indian wells because where where they have it that nothing's going on there so so they have this amazing venue and an incredible ownership that can put that event on at any time uh, the Miami Open is a different situation. If there is an NFL season, and as you mentioned earlier, I also work at NFL Network, you know, that, that stadium is booked, right? So, so that cannot go on. Could it go on somewhere else? Maybe, but, but that's another logistical situation. Um, obviously, the U.S. Open. I, I was actually Googling today, weather in New York, you know, in, in the fall, weather in Paris in the fall, weather in London in the fall, and just seeing, like, how the temperatures drop from month to month to month. And it basically, for, for that, for New York, Paris, and London, October is kind of the last month you have. Once you hit November, it's chilly. <laughs> especially London. And, I mean, you could have snow in New York, too. And, and Paris is like in the 50s. I mean, so it, it gets rough come November for the Grand Slams. So... You know, we, we kind of have until October, in my opinion, in my non-meteorological opinion, um, with my quick Googles, um, to get those in. And then you kind of look to other parts of the world and, and what the weather is like and, and what how the venues are, you know, scheduled. Are there, you know, do, do we have concerts scheduled at these venues during that time? Or, or can we book that for a week? Um, are the players able to leave because I think this this pandemic is also, as we've seen, you know, started in one area of the world and has bounced around to other parts of the world. So can they travel from that place? Can everybody go? And I, I love, you know, I'm a big Diego Schwartzman fan, you know, like yeah, shorter Jew, like that's that's my that's, yeah, of course we stick that's, together. That's my guy. <laughs> like I'm like wherever I see him, like I I shout him out. Like he was so nice to me at, at one of the city taste of tennis a couple of years ago, and I actually have like a couple of inches on him, and I was like, oh my god, like I I could <laughs> be a pro tennis player, and <laughs> and he and he put out that too, and his social media is great. I think he's just like he's a lovely individual. And uh, has a great spirit. And uh, he put out, you know, that tweet saying that there's that WhatsApp group with, with the top 100. And, I mean, I, I would, you know, love to kind of hear what they're talking about. And because, you know, you look at the top 10 on, on both sides, men and women, and how, how global that is and how many countries are represented, which, once again, tennis is awesome. And that, that's what makes our sport so cool. Um, but there's going to be different travel restrictions, I think, in, in my opinion, in, in where you can go, where you can come into, and, and, and that's going to play a factor as well. So, um, you know, it all, it all, once again, goes back to kind of having that overall mindfulness and, and empathy to, to everyone in, involved. But like you, you know, I, I, hope, I hope it happens. And, <laughs> and, and I hope that everybody, I, I think that everybody would be on board to have tennis in November 
you know, different types of stuff in November and then obviously tennis in December um, because this is such an unprecedented, you know, time that we're in right now. And I know you've talked about this with multiple guests, but but the financial structure and that a lot of these players, you know, there's some that obviously they don't need the money right now, but most do. And, and that's on so many levels. I mean, from freelance journalists uh, to, to, to players that, you know, are, are counting on on prize money to, to be able to pay bills, much less their coaches, physios and all that stuff. So um, th- there's so many ramifications. And, and I think everybody involved in the sport would like to see when it's safe tennis yeah no without question and i I do want to ask you about mark lucero's universal basic income proposal because i'd never heard as specific as he got um on yesterday's podcast but to your point about the diego schwartzman top 100 group chat how great would it be if it's like by the way here's your certificate from the atp you've officially been top 100 (laughs) and here's the password to the group me like you are now abiding and then like andre martin who's now at a career high 93 is just like hey guys like just want you to know I'm here now, so don't talk <laughs> trash about me. Like, like, what's up, Rob? I'm here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, we've never talked. Yeah, we've never talked. <laughs> exactly. We've never talked before, uh, Philip Kohlschreiber, but I'm a big fan. First time, long time. Uh, just all of these different things. It would just be, yeah, I would love to see some insight into that. But to your point about the finances, because, you know, it's not only – the, the play you know it, tournaments are going to feel it certainly if you're a 250 or a 500 and you know your year is built around getting this event to happen and your event gets canceled that's devastating and you know there's going to be effects certainly I imagine there will be some tournaments who might not be able to come back from the year-long layoff but uh coach Lucero as he always does brings his you know well-researched great proposal on yesterday talking about universal basic income in tennis and the idea of you know from now on players will not get paid if they lost first round matches because you didn't win you get paid per win um but the difference is instead of all of those first round payouts you pool all of that money and you guarantee some sort of basic level of income at the start of the season based on how you are ranked for each player is that something you could see catching on yeah i, I think i think it, it i would like to hear what the players response to that and and what you know the top 10 how they view it as opposed to the top you know, 30 to 50, 50 to 75, 75 to 100, 100 to 200, so on and so forth. Obviously, there are certain players. And we were talking about, you know, I was with NFL and the collective bargaining agreement. And, you know, that was passed by a very slim margin uh, recently. And for a lot of the top players, they were like, this is not a good, you know, a good bargaining agreement for us. But for a majority of the players who are, you know, making the league minimum, it raised that by a ton. So they were like, yeah, I'm all for this. Maybe not thinking about necessarily playing that 17th game injuries, health concerns, later in life concerns. So, um, you know, it, it's something that all the players, you know, would have to vote on. And I'm not sure how, how they, you know, all would view this. I think Jim Courier has, has looked into the prize money in terms of tournaments. And, and Jim is one of the most insightful brilliant tennis analysts in the game and um he he thinks because a lot of these majors you see the the you know the the prize money go up exponentially between rounds and then the finalists you know and and the winner who makes like 80 percent more than a guy who made the semifinals or something like that and that needs to 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 be more in line so that more of that prize money you know kind of goes down to the first second third fourth round so um a lot of things can be done. I, you know, I, I, I love that there's ideas being thrown around. I think Mark's idea should be put out there. I think Jim's ideas should be put out there and, and it should be, it should be discussed. And, and the players, once again, this goes back to some sort of maybe union or something like that, but, but being able, or even a commissioner, which I think is a, is a better concept for, you know, the whole sport um, to be able to kind of delve out and figure out, you know, exactly what's best. Yeah, typical, by the way, Northwesterner. I dropped Mark Lucero's name, so you have to name drop me with Jim Kerr. Uh, well done by you. 
<laughs> uh, just typical, typical. That wildcat Wolverine rivalry will never die down. Um, no, I, I love it. Um, yeah, it, it's fascinating. And again, it gets back to, as you mentioned, that union. Um, certainly the effects for Federer or Djokovic or you know Nadal, who it's like, let's say, they lose their first match at Indian Wells, as Djokovic has done, I think, in the past couple of years. Well, it's like, well, at least I still get paid for that appearance. And, you know, versus the other guys who are just like, you know, players 200 through 400 just want some sort of basic income because even if you have a really good year on the challenger tour or the level below that even if you have a really good year on the futures circuit you're still going to struggle to pay the bills so you're right a a commissioner some sort of i mean just the idea of having the players collectively bargain something like that doesn't seem very realistic um you talked about the nfl so i'm just going to throw in a quick tangent here what are my lions doing this offseason do we really just want to be patriots north (laughs) yeah We just lost your cornerback, uh, I Darius know, Slay. big play Slay, I know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, you've got, <laughs> you've got some issues going on there uh, in the D. You know, as, as T-Baby said, it's so cold in the D, and it's been that way for the Lions uh, for, for quite some time since, you know, my, my, my guy Barry Sanders and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and those days. But, uh, I, you know, I, I don't have a, a – a, a crazy bearish outlook for you all. I think, I think, uh, <laughs> I think hope remains. I think that, that, uh, division that you're in ha- holds possibilities, uh, for you. Mm. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to go 14 and two, uh, you know, to make the playoffs and they're expanding the playoffs now, which I, I love that part of the, uh, the collective bargaining agreement that two more teams are going to be added this year. If we have a year, uh, um, so, so that, that gives more possibilities. Yeah, and I, I have uh, – yeah, for the record, I'm sure you came on and expected to do five minutes on the Lions, uh, as you do, I'm sure, on most podcasts you do. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, – I, I, again, I know my mom listens to the podcast, so I, I won't say the story, but I had some formative experiences during some Lions games uh, that we can just leave there, uh, so they will always have my heart. Um, that being said, yeah, uh, but to get back to the tennis um, – and again, uh, for you guys, and then we can. I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I'm sure you're busy. Um, and then I, I do want to quickly ask you about your background. But um, in terms of moving forward, uh, I, you know, when do you think we will have a better perspective on if there will be tennis? Should there be tennis? Uh, should there be tennis in 2020? Do you think it'll literally just be at the whims of all of these federal governments that tennis is as much subject to um, just op- when the world opens up, the tennis season will open up? Yeah, I, I really do. Um, as we saw with you know many of the the first tournaments being canceled, it really came down to uh, the government saying you can't hold an event with X amount of people. Um, it's just not safe. So um, I, I honestly like every day I learn something new, and so it's so tough you know to predict down the road with something we know so little about um, here in the United States. I mean. It, it, it's scary. Um, I, you know, if, if you follow what's going on in Italy, we have not gotten to the worst yet. Um, and everybody is kind of on their own trajectory. And it's, you know, like I said earlier, it's, it's upon us as individuals, as humans to, to look out for one another and, and really have everyone's, you know, best interests in mind. And, you know, you see some of these videos online with, people going to the beach and spring break and partying and, and um, it, it's reckless and it's uh, it's just this, the, you know, cavalier attitude that is going to cost lives um, at the end of the day. And, and it, it's infuriating to, to me personally, but um, I don't think it's something, you know, in terms of tennis specifically getting back to your question that we can predict. I think it's uh, you know, last week, Paul and Lindsay and I and Tracy, we we're all, kind of talking about you know what do we think the first tournament is and i i said from the start nothing before the u.s open you know i hope i'm wrong by the way um but that was my initial reaction and 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 with a caveat of if that if that happens um so you know i i hope i hope i'm totally wrong i hope we have i hope you know we we get past this sooner than later and and people you know start to stay inside and 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 respect each other and and um you know have that kind of self-awareness and and kindness towards towards each other but uh 
it's not, you know, it is day by day and it's, and it's, and it's hour by hour and it's minute by minute. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I feel like we need to like timestamp, like we're recording this at noon on Thursday, you know, like, um, cause, cause this is ever on March 19th and because this is ever evolving and what we talk about today could literally completely be different an hour from now, tomorrow, the next day. Um, and so that, that's what makes the world that we're in and, and this specifically so different. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. And it was not a good look to see, you know, all of my fellow cohort, cohorts out there. You just have to be responsible. You know, we're all citizens. And you, as you mentioned at the top, you could be an unsymptomatic carrier and just you will feel so miserable if you're the reason someone ends up sick. So, yes, absolutely be responsible. Uh, that being said, I saw a tweet yesterday. No, that being said, it was not the phrase to use there because I'm not going to criticize what I said before. But I saw a tweet yesterday from Jeannie Bouchard saying, you know, she's never felt not having a boyfriend more than now. I can echo that. I've never been a big girlfriend guy, but the fact that I'm definitely not gonna have a girlfriend for at least the next two months it's like it's weighing on me i'm like oh like wow i'm, I'm really in trouble here um but you know that that's a little that's just a me issue i suppose uh, that's a, something to keep in mind i was just like man um but that's why i have these conversations to stay active i was actually i went to myers uh what was it two days ago and i was just going on the other side of my shopping cart to just put something on uh, the register and the lady who was in front of me still paying was like hey like do you mind you're getting a little bit close like it's social distancing whatever i was like oh i've got two brothers like i've been social distancing my whole life don't worry about it <laughs> but like and you know i started doing my routine and just people were laughing it's like wow none of us have had human interactions so seriously to anyone out there uh if you need interactions no one wastes time quite like me and so i promise i could offer distractions and i know uh what you guys are doing at tennis channel going three hours a day that will be a wonderful distraction for so many of us who are fans of the ten- you know of the game of tennis who need our fix of tennis each and every day I do want to hear your recommendations for some tennis content, but before we get to that, I'd have to ask, you know, you are, you, your whole life has been, uh, it sounds like dedicated to becoming a sports journalist. You went to the Medell school at Northwestern, one of the premier, if not the premier journalism school in the country. You worked at ESPN now for NFL network and tennis channel as well to any of our listeners who have fellow passions about, you know, covering the sports and pursuing journalism what advice would you give them uh to try and achieve that goal um i mean first of all you know decide kind of i'm i'm a anomaly in the fact that i've known since basically third grade that this is what i want to do um and 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 that's like you can be you know 40 50 and and still not really know what you want to do so so i'm a specific case that that i've just known forever that i wanted to be a, a sports broadcaster and um you know, go going to journalism school helped that, and and being willing to go anywhere for your first job. You know, doing internships during the sun, non-paid internships during the summers of college. Um, you know, starting my first job in Alpena, Michigan, which is you know about four hours north of where where you uh, you grew up, and <laughs> the third smallest TV market in the country. So there's like 210 TV markets in the country. Alpena, Michigan, is right. Only ahead of North Platte, Nebraska, and Glendive, Montana. So uh, it's a very small population. My my salary out of college was fourteen thousand dollars a year. Um, so my two week paycheck minus taxes was about four hundred bucks. Um, so you just have to have a passion and be willing to go anywhere, do anything. I was a one man band. I shot all my own stuff. From my first three jobs, I did all the camera work, editing, producing. I ran my own teleprompter um my own floor director i mean you literally do everything and i wouldn't want it any other way because it makes you appreciate every step along the way that much more and it also uh gives you a sense of what everybody else is doing contributing to a show i mean obviously when you're watching tennis channel live you see myself you see Lindsay, paul tracy um but there are so many people that go into that production and they are in incredibly valuable just as valuable everybody's the same right like so without one cop everything else isn't isn't going to work and um and i'm grateful to to you know be a part of a team and a family that that treats everybody well and and really respects each other and i mean (laughs) um and and has each other's back and I, i think i think that's rare in this industry but um but yeah be passionate you know be 
be proactive, you know, go at, go after your dreams. You know, you can true. I, I, I'm a believer and you can do whatever you set your mind to. It's always been proven that way for me. Um, so that, that's just my, you know, train of thought. Um, so if, if you want something more than somebody else and, and this goes to anything in life. So if you want to be a pro tennis player, I, I mean, I know a lot of, there's other factors in that in terms of, you know, physicality and, and pure talent and all that stuff. But, Heck, I mean, the mental game is massive, and outworking somebody is is so big. I've, this year, I've, I'm the volunteer assistant coach for the women's tennis team at Loyola Marymount University, and awesome. Um, and it, yeah, obviously, our season got got canceled, and and that's a huge bummer. But um, it it was such an incredible experience, and to to be on court with these girls, and for me, like I'm a big energy guy. I'm sure you you know from like TC Lab and all that stuff, but like I had no idea, <laughs> but I'm, I'm all about like motivation and energy and next point. And, and I feel like, you know, because I, I sit with these tennis geniuses on a weekly basis and I hear all their brilliance. I'm like, you know, so I'm always like, you know, I, I have all these Paulisms and Lindsayisms and Chandaisms, And, you know, I, I get to, you know, impart that into these, you know, collegiate tennis players and I'm like hard down the middle on the return. And like, aggressive shots to conservative targets and you know <laughs> but but it, it truly it, it and like when you see it click when you see something click and then one of these players you know actually ex- execute and it works and and you win and you're a part of that and um you try to you know keep them positive because i think that's one of the biggest things in life is to stay positive and this is one of those moments in life where that's hard and you know mental health is you know that that's a subject we could talk hours on on its own but but that's a huge part of tennis it's a huge part of life and it's a huge part of of achieving what you want to in life and and being positive and and believing in yourself uh i think goes such a long way in absolutely everything yeah well a, a couple of things to say off of that one i'll save the mental energy hour for thursday that third hour of tennis channel live when you guys are like what are we going to schedule here okay let's do a mental hour um, i would love to watch that because as you mentioned those are the best in the business and if you don't mind me saying as you mentioned your energy your passion for the sport it's what makes you so enjoyable to watch it's how we i know that our sport is in such good hands when we have faces like you at the front of our media because that enthusiasm is contagious it's an energy we try to bring to these crack Rackets podcast as well. Um, so, it, you, you know, keep doing whatever it is you're doing. If it's the two hour workout a day, if it's cutting out the cookies, it's working. I promise. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Alex. That's very kind. Yeah, of course. And shout out to, I, it was funny, I, w- I was looking up the media markets as you were talking, and I wanted, because I was like, how does Alpina or North Platte, and by the way, don't sleep on the passion of the fans of North Platte, Nebraska. <laughs> uh, but I was like, where is, uh, where's Juneau, Alaska in this? And Juneau, Alaska, fourth, uh, right above Alpina. So just a little fun fact for you out there uh those so smaller you know alaska is actually a smaller or actually a bigger a bigger market than alpina michigan slightly bigger (laughs) 0.017 versus 0.013 18,730 you know alex Um, started at the bottom now we're here i'm on i'm on track racket Exactly. Oh, that's so funny. Well, then, um, our, my last thing I want to do with you is for those out there who have tennis, you know, that itch, they need to watch some sort of tennis. And in the, you know, the year that we are in now, 2020, uh, maybe a year we're all ready to get through, but you have the options of YouTube and Tennis Channel Live, so many great things. If you were to give me three recommendations, whether it be a book, whether it be a movie, whether it just be YouTube highlights that when you're going on the tennis rabbit hole, you find yourself watching. What would be your three recommendations to our fans out there? Well, I mean, we, we just talked about some mental stuff. So I will say The Inner Game of Tennis is a book you can read and read again. And if you've read it before, come back to it. If you've never read it before, definitely uh, give it a read. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic going kind of inside uh, the mental game of tennis, which, you know, as we discussed, and why, why are the big three, big four, you know, why are they winning everything? Obviously, there, there's some other factors, but when it comes to five all deuce, they're winning those points, and they're they're just stronger mentally. Um, you know, Noah Rubin's been doing some great things with behind the racket, and they have so many players on their their Instagram right now. I would go back through that and kind of read those stories and uh, get to know uh, some of the other aspects of these superstars that that we didn't before and. 
the struggles that, that they have overcome on their way to becoming, you know, professional tennis players, because whether it's my story, your story, anybody's story, like n nothing is a perfect trajectory to the top. We have all, uh, you know, gone through tough times um, on, on, on multiple levels and in multiple ways. And so I think Noah's done, done such a fantastic job with behind the racket. So if you haven't checked that out, um, that would be something that, that I would, I would definitely advise doing. Um, you know, there, there's so many great matches. I've, I've tried to think about this. One of the matches I always come back to um, is Nadal Verdasco, 2009 Australian Open semifinal. Um, I know people talk about that final against Federer that Nadal won after that, but that that semifinal against Verdasco was just, you know, brutal, hard hitting, long points, long match, just you know, guts on the line tennis. Um, I'll, I'll never forget that match. So I, I thought that was amazing. Um, you know, if, if you're a Fed fan, 2017 Australian Open final against Rafa was, you know, took you on so many emotional roller coasters itself. Uh, if you're a Djokovic fan, last year's, you know, final at Wimbledon, if you're, if you're a Roger fan, don't watch that. But um, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, you can always if you're a YouTube person or, or, or something along those lines or Instagram, like check out trick shots. I mean, one, you can Google Nick Kyrgios and all of his trick antics. That always gives me a little bit of joy. Um, <laughs> but I was the other day, ATP Tour put out on their Instagram like three different trick shots. Um, and I think that's cool. And that could be something that even we're interactive with during this time where, like, Alex, if you go out to your you know public court and you know pull off some sort of shot and then, you know, challenge whoever, myself, Mark, you know, whoever to, to do that shot. And then we try to do it and, and kind of, you know, have a fun um social tennis trick shot experiment uh i think that could be something cool now my proudest moment well this is not my proudest but it's in the top three on a tennis court we were covering this event uh they used to do in stowe just a little exhibition before the u.s open and there was this clinic and we were covering it but we were hitting in it was uh yoshi nishioka uh jan leonard was it Struff? Uh, or not Struff, uh, Max Martyrer, and then just a bunch of adults, and I was playing with one of the adults, and I think it was uh, Yoshi hit a bump lob over my head, and I remember going, like, I'm going for the tweener. I just have to go for it, whatever. And I made it. Wow. And just, you know, Yoshi's an expressive guy always, but the, look, I can ball a little bit. <laughs> I'm a, I, I don't like to brag, no, but, but like I can, a, I can do what I gotta a do. To a tweener in, like, a king of the court against a pro player is pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, I just remember his face being like, you can do that? You don't look athletic. And I was like, I know, I don't. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree. The fun things like that, I mean, you can practice it all. Uh, even if you don't have someone to hit with, you know, on the wall or doing whatever it may be, that is such, you know, now is the time to work on your skills, work on the different footwork things. If you get the ladder, uh, if you, you can just even put little tape marks on the, you know, floor of your house or wherever you may live and just work on those sorts of things. I completely agree with you. Um, but one thing I know I will be doing to fill the time is watching Tennis Channel Live, watching you and the crew out there. Can you tell our listeners what to expect moving forward? Yeah, I mean, we've got some exciting stuff coming up for five weeks kind of you know doing a three-hour show uh starting this coming up monday it'll be myself uh prakash worldwide i'm excited because honestly you know prakash is always all over the world and we never really get to be in studio together and and he's got great energy and he's just a a, a good dude and we kind of have that kind of workout thing going and um and <laughs> to be able to play off each other, I, I think will be really fun having him there, um, Lindsay and Paul as well for this first week. Um, and so the first week, you know, other than talking about what is an ever-changing, you know, tennis landscape. So if there's news, you know, we'll be talking about it and, and updating throughout the three hours. But uh, for the first week, we'll be talking about the greatest of all time sort of conversation that that we always talk about and uh you know we've, we've got the maybe the, the three arguably best ten male tennis players of all time and roger rafa novak and um who among them is the greatest of all time uh you know we'll go back through some of our elements from from previous tennis channels like the greatest of all time uh the top 100 players men or women you know experts debating those names current and past players kind of visiting us and weighing in uh, along with we have, we have so many resources with tennis.com and guys like Joel Drucker and Steve Tigner and uh, Nina Pantic and, you know, just like brilliant minds uh, of the game, Steve Flink, that 
that we can draw upon to kind of, you know, figure out all of these these things that, you know, we don't always have time to talk about in a half hour or an hour show when we actually have matches. John Wertheim, who does such an awesome job for us, us he has a ton of unstrung segments, um, thoughtful pieces that will be featured during that week. We'll talk about what players are doing on social media. Tennis lifestyle will be a thread throughout the show. Um, in week two, we'll talk about the history of the game. Week three, we're talking specifically Roland Garros. Week four, Wimbledon, the, you know, all that encompasses that. Um, we, you know, obviously we've got Strokes of Genius, which, you know, John wrote the book and um, incredible doc documentary. By the way, watch Strokes of Genius uh, during this time as well if you haven't seen that. And then week five, talking about the U.S. Open, the red, white, and blue summer in the city. Um, so th there's so much, you know, to delve into. And, you know, uh, it, it starts on Monday. And um, I'm excited to be a part of that. You know, having those shows last week was was something that I was able to look forward to. And, you know, I've kind of done the self-isolation thing since then. And it's, it's hard. You know, I, I empathize with everybody out there. It's hard. Um, but it is it is the right thing to do. And uh, I, I am looking for, I know everybody at Tennis Channel is really stoked about kind of getting this started and being able to hopefully, you know, provide um, a little respite and a, and a little bit of joy and a little bit of hope um, to everybody out there and uh, getting everybody involved. And, you know, I know Mary Carrillo is super, super into this as well. And, and we, you know, you talk about the, the WhatsApp group. She was sending texts to some of us during uh, the shows last week, and those were some of my greatest laughs. And um, <laughs> honestly, and you know, like that, that it's so meaningful to have, you know, people in your life that will provide uh, a sense of levity while also um, understanding the gravity of the situation that we're in right now. Yeah, without question. I need some hot takes for you. I want you to go on there and be like, hey, Gaston Gaudio 2004 was actually the best performance on clay we'll ever see. Or like, had Joaquim Johansson stayed healthy, he'd have won 12 majors. Just throw in just a <laughs> random take just to, I mean, just to set tennis Twitter aflame. There's been some crazy stuff that I've seen recently. They put out, you know, when, when uh, Simona Hallett, you know, with her weeks ranked in the, in the top 20, I, I believe, or top 10, I believe. And uh, you saw Martina... With a thousand weeks ranked in the top ten, yeah. a thousand weeks, and I was just like, it's just "What? Ridiculous. That's two decades. That's twenty. Like we, you know, when we're talking about goats, like that needs to be a part of that conversation." And what what you know, Chris Everett did on clay. I know Nadal, King of Clay, yada yada. Chris Everett is no joke when it comes to clay and the things she was able to accomplish. The, the amount of semifinals in a row and the amount of matches she won in a row, and then. You know, Tracy beat her one match, and then she won so many more in a row after that. I mean, there are some insane numbers in tennis that we, you know, don't talk about enough that we can kind of get into right now beyond just, okay, Roger's got 20 slams, Rafa's got 19, and Novak's got 17 sort of, sort of deal, uh, which, which is certainly something to discuss, you know, as well. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to it, um, having the best, you know, tennis analyst in the game with me uh it, it's gonna be awesome yeah and again i said this already but seriously in times like these to have someone with your enthusiasm passion for the sport and who can also make it so fun it's such a pleasure for all of us tennis fans so seriously steve you know don't be a stranger the mic is always open for you uh you know for the tied for first most handsome man in tennis <laughs> analysis i moved up to tied for first. and is it a rankings freeze or like can we can this adjust uh, week to week? <laughs> no, it's fluid. If okay. you don't, if you stop the two a day workouts due to Corona isolation, that'll influence the rankings. Okay, no, I mean I, I got my resistance band, so I've been doing that. Um, you know, I, I, thankfully I have some outdoor space um, in in my living situation, so uh, I, I did a yoga flow yesterday, and uh, you know was able to get in. You know, LMU, you know, put out puts out a workout every day, Loyola uh, Marymount. So, I, you know, I was able to, to do their kind of half hour workout outside, you know, but not outside around people, you know, just uh, so. Staying safe, of course. Staying yeah, safe. And no, tricep, tricep Tuesdays with you and Prakash. Like, what are you, <laughs> why not? There we go. There we go. I like where your head's at there. 
<laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, but no, Steve, seriously, thank you so much, and uh, good luck to you, and stay safe, obviously, you and, and your family. You as well, Alex. Pleasure to, to, to join you. You know, be safe, be mindful, be kind. Those are, you know, the, the words that I just want to uh, reinforce to everybody out there. Uh, it, it's a tough time, but uh, we will get through this, and uh, really appreciate you having me on the pod. Yeah, of course. Take care, Steve. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tennis Channel Live host Steve Weissman. Talk about a great personality. I've never thought to myself, wow, does someone have more fun covering tennis? Is someone enjoying this more than me? Until that conversation, his passion for the game just so clear. And he clearly, you know, he will do whatever he can to keep our sport, keep all fans of our sport healthy throughout these trying times. Just such a positive attitude was such a pleasure for me to get the chance to speak with him. So thank you again to Steve for coming on the podcast. In terms of what we've got on the horizon here at Cracked Rackets, a lot of fun projects in the works. I don't want to give anything away too much. I will say one of our big projects is college tennis related. So for you fans out there disappointed, then how could you not be that we're not going to get to see the rest of the 2020 season. We've got a really fun project underway here that we know you all will enjoy. So be on the lookout for that. That's going to be taking up some of our time. We've got some really good interviews coming up as well. Do I want to give them away? Should I give them away? Mm, I'll say this. It's two of the guests are returning guests, but they're two fun names for you. Two prominent American tennis players, one male, one female. Um, that's that's my hint to you all. You will really enjoy those, and you'll get to hear those next week. Of course, if you've missed any of our content on YouTube, Super Producer Daniel Westoff up to all sorts of fun things on that channel. I don't know if you guys got the chance to see Overserved, our new content, poking fun at all the unintentional comedy from the tennis world, tennis Twitter, all those sorts of things. We will be recording episode two this weekend and try to get that out to you all by Monday as well. And again, the nicest thing you could do for super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westhoff, who have a of an editing job to do as always, would be to go right now to YouTube. Click in that search bar, Cracked Rackets, and just click subscribe. It's three clicks, really easy. It would be so great for his mental health every time. It's Alex. Don't forget to plug YouTube in. Seriously, how could I? Because he, I mean, you think you enjoy these in podcast form, you should really go see the videos that he's producing. Second to none out there. So shout out to the super producers. Uh, and again, speaking of subscribe, like, rate, subscribe, review to this podcast, to the Great Shot podcast, to our Cracked Interviews podcast. You don't want to miss any of the podcasts. So many great guests from Ben Rothenberg, John Wertheim, Mark Lucero, now Steve. We're trying to hit, you know, Tumani Cariel came on a couple of weeks ago. I'm still looking to get you, Courtney Nguyen. I don't know if you listen to this podcast, but... You know, I am your biggest fan or certainly up there. So, Courtney, a spot is always open for you. And, of course, we will continue to bring on as many different personalities, media, player-related as not, uh, throughout the tennis world as we can. So be on the lookout for all of those things. Uh, but with that being said, one last shout-out to our sponsors, Diadem Sports. Go to their website, diademsports.com. Plug in that promo code CR50, 50% off your order, and we thank them for their continued support, as well as the support we receive from our friends at Aerobar. Enjoyed myself a delicious Aerobar this morning before I went on my morning run. You use that promo code CRACKED30, 30% off your orders. Then I'll tell you, those Aerobars work just as good for training running-wise as they do for tennis, so a huge shout-out to them. But... For our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westoff, for our friends at Diadem Sports and Aerobar, for our wonderful guest today, Steve Weissman, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, folks. Bye.